Good evening. Thank you for your presence tonight. Praise the Lord. May you be blessed. And I uh, thank you for your prayers again, as I do. I am very needful for that and mindful of that. And even as I'm preaching, keep praying. Um, been looking at the miracles in John and come to the seventh and final one, as John has recorded by our Lord Jesus, that he has performed in his ministry. And now he's right at the end there before... Uh, He goes into Jerusalem and uh, he's very near. But in the raising of Lazarus in John chapter 11, we've been looking there. And that's um, pretty much, we've been looking at the whole of chapter 11. Um, Our last message, we looked up to verse 16. And that was titled, um, The Preparations for Transformation. The transformation being the miracle uh, that mighty miracle of raising him back to life from the dead. and But the work the Lord was doing in preparing his disciples, as we looked at, in, in helping them to increase their faith in some of the even setbacks for them, they thought, in going back to Bethany, which was very near to Jerusalem and wasn't a very good exit um, it nearly ended up in the death of Jesus being stoned, but he uh, it wasn't his time. And um, so, anyway, with this part now, the second part, we're still not even going to get to the actual miracle because I've titled this one Explanation for Transformation. The explanation, which we'll see in verse 25 and 26, of it actually crosses over one of the great I am statements of our Lord Jesus in the Gospel of John. I am the resurrection and the life. And and that's the explanation our Lord gives to Martha. In See, our Lord's not focusing on the disciples anymore, but on helping increase the faith of Mary, Mary, uh, Martha and Mary, his very dear, loving friends, that, that they each loved each other very much and showed that every time the Lord came through their home. And... Uh, Let me read that passage and then we'll pray and then we'll look at some points. So I want to read from uh, 17 and I'll go through to 32 and we'll stop there. So let's read from verse 17 of John chapter 11. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto faith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord. I believe that thou art Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, 
the master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you as we know you are the author of life and the author of salvation and you are the author of and, and finisher of faith, Lord, and we thank you as we've already sung about that, even prayed in our opening prayer about our faith being increased and there you know even tonight in each of us what is lacking, Lord, and uh, help us as we look at Martha and Mary, Lord, to see ourselves in those areas that are lacking. And you use circumstances of loss, even of grief, of pain, to draw us to yourself, Lord, in many different ways, to get our attention, Lord, and uh, to show us how much, one, you love us, and you want to comfort us as our dear friend, like Martha and Mary had in Jesus. And Lord, even though we may not understand everything tonight even, we pray that you'll help us to understand those things you would have us to know, Lord, and why sometimes you allow things we don't understand. And But may we just keep believing and trusting and you can build upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ a great structure, Lord, that will hold us up in our most wearisome and triest times, Lord, in our faith, Lord, we pray. We ask these things and thank you. Guide us, we pray. Humble us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Explanation for transformation is the heading again. And my first point is purging. That means, can have a few meanings, but what we're looking at tonight is to do whatever necessary to take away something in order to be clean. And you can purge your office, your study. You can purge your kitchen. You can clean it up, get rid of unnecessary items, clogging up and cluttering you can, you can purge your shed uh, in cleaning it up too. It's all about having order, isn't it? And produce something good. And it's always satisfaction when you've achieved that because so, you know you can be more productive. And we remember in John 15, too, it talks about the vine dresser, the father, which is God, who dresses, the vine dresser cleanses a branch purges a branch in order that it may bear more fruit in John 15:2 and that is to purge that branch from filth to purify um so I was hoping 
When a farmer wants to clear a paddock for being able to plant new seed, he needs to purge that land and clear it, clear it of the clutter of weeds, the dead wood, the stones, overgrown thorns. And one of the most effective ways, even today, they still use to purify the ground is to burn it, set it alight. And when we think about being burnt, do we not think of pain? Maybe the first thought. The ground goes through a bit of pain, but as we see in Martha and Mary, they're going through a bit of pain, And as we've read in our text. And we see now the Lord Jesus' arrival back to Bethany, the pain of loss and separation as a result of Lazarus, their dear brother's death. And so I've given this a topic, this first point of purging, a burnt faith, as the Lord is going to take the opportunity to increase Martha and Mary's faith. And, my, and I want the main focus is to see us being emptied of ourselves. And we have two sisters grieving in pain at the loss of their loved brother, Lazarus. And in verse 4, last time we looked at, the Lord Jesus had left them a promise before... He's told his disciples he was going to delay two days and it was for the glory of God. In verse 4, the sickness is not unto death, in verse 4, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And what we realise, and Lazarus would have already been dead and buried by the time that messenger that took that message back in Bethany, he would have already been dead and buried to tell them... Uh, by the time the message and you arrived back to Bethany to tell Martha and Mary. And they had different personalities. We understand that from the Gospel writer Luke in that passage in chapter 10 where the Lord in one of his hospitality, like being in one of his times with them and being cared for by the family when Lazarus was... And Martha was active and busy. And what we see, as we remember that account, she learned a lesson in a loving way from the Lord about balance, the needful in balancing devotion to him. And where Mary was on the other side of giving all her attention and devotion, which upset Martha. And, and so we, we see... Their different personalities, their character. And so when we think of how they may have received this message from verse 4 from their beloved friend, the Lord Jesus, and in verse 19, as we go back down to there, John is describing the sorrow of the sisters. And Lazarus is dead. The Lord Jesus just had to say that to his disciples. They weren't getting it, but... We have to move. We had to go. Like We've got to get going when they needed to go. Jerusalem is only a little over three kilometres away. That little bit there that John puts in about the furlongs, 15 furlongs, it's just a little bit over 3K, so it's not far. And there's that reminder of the enemies that hate Jesus and want him dead and not far. But Martha and Mary... Um, as we see in verse 9, are being comforted, and it says by many Jews, and 
obviously maybe some of them many would have come from Jerusalem not being conveniently close and in the culture it was even they hired even mourners in 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 some parts but I just feel that they didn't do that just by well I may be wrong but the many Jews that knew them this evidence that they were well respected amongst the family there in Bethany in their community because of their outward love and testimony and and that word means comfort means t- it speaks of being genuinely tender and consoling them and so they were genuine comforters and how we're reminded this does uh, and I just had this thought it makes a great testimony a great witness to lost souls that come and attend a Christian funeral because as the gospel message is shared of hope of eternal life at a believer's funeral they um, they can be a part they hear that and this is the testimony Mary and Martha in their grief are able to have to, the, to those many Jews. And the Lord will have them also to witness these many Jews a great miracle, as we'll see. Not today, but we'll see that developing. The time of grieving for a lost one is a time of brokenness, those who have lost a loved one. And yes, there is a shadow of comfort for us as believers in Christ at that present time of tragedy underlying, even for our mortal minds, um, that hope of seeing them again in the resurrection. But it's, it's just thinking at that time, it's, you, I was thinking of the word bittersweet, bitter of the loss and dealing with that and the sweetness of the hope of um, seeing fellow Christians in heaven. and But in that place right now of despair came the wonderful news for Martha in verse 20 that Jesus is coming. And Martha was really longing his return. And we see this by her response. She, she went to meet him, she, literally like running. And in that... De- present distress of circumstance um, Martha now is valuing the presence of Jesus remember in Luke 10 it was Mary now circumstances have changed and see Mary is still grieving in the house with the comforters and she may not have heard that this that Jesus was coming and but there's a quote I want to read his departures long his returns and his absence should teach us how to value his presence and uh, it was end of quote, it was pointed out by a writer how this active temperament of Martha actually did her a kindness in this day of affliction in the home and so what we're seeing is a balance here where when we compare Martha and Mary that John is showing us of her active tempter, temperament kept her from grief in her heart and um, like she had grief but it allowed her to be active in this way and made her forward to meet Christ so she received comfort from him the sooner 
if we can sort of see that. Mary's personality was, as we remember, quiet and reserved, and, and that was when things were going well in the home. And, and this was an advantage to her in those times, as they are to us, when we get those quiet times and, and, and no distractions. We can just not be distracted by the things that... And it's all being in balance, where Mary, being very busy in the home, she was disadvantaged, if we see that contrast. But now the snare was in Mary in her grief, and it seems like she's taking a lot harder... Wisdom in learning the balance now of our natural temperament in a changing world, and we need that wisdom. And so in looking at that, let's look at Martha's response here more. Um, it's a response, let's read, Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Just You've been too long gone. Like, And, and the delay? Like, so... What we're seeing, definitely, as it was pointed out, is an evidence of faith, um, but it was weak, in a weak faith, and in that the Lord, she believed in her response there, could have prevented Lazarus from dying. And we see the word if, that two-letter word, if he had been there, because it was well known that no one actually died in the presence of Jesus when he was present geographically, like... She believed, yes, as he had done other miracles in healing, that he had the healing power, but this time he just came too late. And uh, so we may be, first time reading that, be oh disappointed in reading Martha's statement to our Lord um, there, but we've got to think and remember, in times of pain and sorrow, under that pressure, do we not talk like Martha to the Lord ourselves? And just examining that. At this time, her little faith in what her Lord could do, it, it was, we could say, limiting the power of Christ to just his presence. And, uh, but we're looking at this morning, and we have been in the sovereignty of God, his omnipresence. He's every, even David said in the Old Testament, O Lord, our Lord, Psalms 8, 1, how excellent is thy name in all the earth and his power. So with verse 22, as we just got to go down through, and I've got a few quotes just in helping. It helped me just to picture um, the situation. Delays are not denials of our Lord. Love permits pain when we think about this purging. These are qualities which unrelieved pain can perfect. And Martha, with the assumption, what can he do now, like in verse 22... But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. What can he do? What, what can you do now? Lazarus is dead and he's buried. Like, four days. Um, she does cast her care upon him. And we see the word asked. And this word asked is like a supplication prayer of, of faith. And, and she had faith. And asking the Lord knew that he had the power to bring something good out of this sad situation. And this is her faith he's building on, the Lord and Jesus is. And when we don't know what to say anymore, our Lord Jesus taught us when we are overwhelmed and we know later, not my will but thine be done, he said in that. And our faith is growing when we reside ourselves to the will of God. And if that's the only thing we can do, 
when we don't know what to do at our wits' ends. And on those days, when the days are weary and the long nights dreary, when we forget in our tiredness to rejoice evermore, as Paul writes in Thessalonians to those believers that are suffering, pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks for, again, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And we lean on our own understandings. We forget how much God truly does care. And this shows our faith towards God is weak and we, we, we accept that in our shame at times. And as it is pointed out, Martha did not discern that he had not been there on purpose. Like, what I, he had um, not been there. It was, on, it was purposely that he... That's what I'm trying to say. That was his purpose. That was his will. When the Lord comments, I think it is wonderful to note in his response to Martha, and we see that from verse 23. But... I'll leave that for the next point from 23, but we're going to look at Mary now. But what I want to just point out from verse 23, he doesn't challenge her. He doesn't put her down. He's very sensitive, very tender. And as we are to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, true, and criticise, he doesn't criticise Martha's weak faith, but he's using it as an opportunity to build on it. And uh, so if, just quickly with Mary, I thought I wanted to focus on Martha more, but briefly with Mary, verse 29, when Mary heard, and it was from Martha, uh, she went straight to him. And, and, and this shows her faith too in answering, like the first time she wasn't needed to be reminded, like she, she goes and, oh, and when she hears of his nearness and there and... He was in that place in verse 30 where Martha met him. And Mary, as I mentioned before, is taking a lot harder the grief. And the Jews were with her, comforting her. And she left them all to go straight to the Lord in their verse 31. And she rose up hastily there at the end of verse 31 and went out unto the grave to weep there. And Christ had a work to do. And and that's why we see him staying. He's not. He stays there near the tomb. He doesn't go into town. And he had a purpose and a plan. And in, it was his sacrificial love of divine wisdom. He's stayed near the place there. In verse thirty, and near where the grave was, which you'll go to later. But Mary, in her kindness, she straightway let what we could say, any misgivings go from her painful, sorrowed heart from his delay. Like she let it go. How her tender love and fellowship for Christ, as we remember in the good times, it, it, it was enough to strengthen her faith, showing her love and affection in that developed discipline when tragedy was to grip her heart. And the, and the Jews that were comforting Mary... Um, Again, they presume she at the end of verse 31 that she had run to the grave to see Lazarus and they followed her. But what it did, it actually led them to Christ as well, um, which would become, again, I mentioned that, a witness to one of his most glorious miracles. And, and when God uses us to lead others to Christ through our trials, does this not humble us? It should, like, to, to let go to purge, that is, of those things 
those things, the what ifs, we can dwell on and overthink and just be so clouded and confused and we're, we're no good to anyone and we don't make the right choices and we don't seek the Lord as we should. What ifs, the if onlys there from verse 21 and that and what these do, they aggravate the affliction and what we need to do is reconcile ourselves to the will of God as we, even when we don't feel like it, in our weakness is his strength. And Mary humbly cast herself yet again at the feet of Jesus. And we know the three times we read of Mary, the sister of Lazarus, in the gospel, she is at the feet of Jesus. And even then it mentions in verse 2, John does, even though that doesn't happen until chapter 12, in the anointing of his feet. It was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with a hair whose brother Lazarus was thick. And this has been a great testimony in her faith there as well. We, it being increased by the time we read of that account in chapter 12. And she is listening to his word as we see in chapter 10 verse 39 of Luke. And the, and. And in this portion of John 11.32, it's the only time we actually see of her speaking to the Lord and she's pouring out her sorrow and just short words, yet great impact and on many that were around her and a testimony. And John has put it in the word. And in John 12, in the next chapter, offering him her praise and worship in that costly um it didn't matter how much it cost, that sacrifice of worship with the ointment, with her hair. And as he was being prepared for burial, like for death, and uh, he was going and they believed there. And so our text today holds, as we see, Martha, they, they both in the home, they're dealing with grief and um, Cluttering their minds, again, with a disappointment, overthinking, but the opportunity she took to come into the presence of the Lord and, and as we can do that, not only individually, but as believers too, as there was a group here coming into the presence of the Lord, we can, we can worship as, as a family in Christ and that opportunity falling at his feet and we can be humbled in our profession and be emptied of ourself and in our weak faith. And, and Matthew Henry quoted, those that in the day of peace place themselves at Christ's feet to receive instruction from him may with comfort and confidence in a day of trouble cast themselves at his feet with hope to find favour with him. I just want to share a natural example of this point can be found by looking at the two seas in Israel. We have the Galilee in the north, the Sea of Galilee, and the Dead Sea. And this is where Jesus was around at this time, the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee freely receives the Jordan River. The, the water comes out of the Jordan into it and it cr creates saying, that freshness of flowing in and flowing out of the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, an abundance of life, of plant life for to feed the many fish life, different kinds of fish in that in the Sea of Galilee. And the water is carried all the way by the Jordan down to what is called the Dead Sea, literally, because it's dead. And it only takes water in, as we are aware, and it doesn't give out. And 
There is nothing living, no fish or plant life in the Dead Sea. And the powerful life-giving waters of the Sea of Galilee become dead when mixed with the hoarded waters of the Dead Sea. Life cannot be sustained if held onto and not cleaned out. It becomes stagnant. And we don't want to become stagnant in our faith. It, 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 it produces no fruit in our lives. And if we are not growing, we'll grow stale. If we're not moving forward in our faith, even when it seems impossible. When it's, and that's in any one area of our worship to the Lord, of our, of our um, faith in prayer, in Bible, in reading, in study. In, in our fellowship and in, in our witness and we, we cannot lose balance like a wheel out of balance it, it will create a lot of problems a lot of hurt and so Satan doesn't like it Satan likes it when we are out of order and uh, how do we manage our regular tasks the garden, the lawn, the emails do we let them get out of hand or do we address them while they are manageable with when help's available and when it is time to do it, the spiritual life demands that we keep short accounts with God and we shouldn't let a gay day go by without giving thanks to God and never let sin go by without catching on and, and, and saying sorry to the one we've hurt and to God and confessing our sin. Never let a week go by without gathering for fellowship and telling God and people how dependent we are on God and keeping short accounts with God when a thinful thought captures the imagination and before we know it and and uh, we'll catch ourselves making a half-truth or maybe an exaggeration and before we know it, going a day without actually saying a prayer and before we know it, no, we need to keep short accounts with God. And, and the fire of affliction, the trials, the distress, the grief, combined with the cleansing by the word of God, the Holy Spirit, we should spiritually be drawn to the feet of Jesus, who is ever-present in our weak faith, to be comforted and to gross, to strengthen our faith as we put off the old, as we looked at this morning in Ephesians, and that which burnt pride, that self-pity, and we can... With that cleansing, we can put on the new as we are renewed in our minds with Christ's kindness, his love and forgiveness. And so, Lord, as we see that purging, now there's the opportunity for our perception, our understanding to be enlightened as God works in us through his Holy Spirit. And just 23 and 26, we see that in the Lord Jesus Christ answered in the explanation for transformation to Martha and we see Jesus said unto her thy brother shall rise again so he's going to help her in her perception in her faith to understand and the perception is a power to see what is not evident to the average mind and and the topic is a built up faith building on that and it's understanding the greater mystery the mystery of of who Christ is his person his work and who he is the I am, the resurrection and the life. And from the Old Testament, we think of Martha's understanding. That's what she had. That's all she had. And, and she had the Lord Jesus. But he is revealing now to himself, to her. See, when the resurrection became a person, when it became a pers personal in Christ. And um, see, in verse 23, Jesus promised Martha that her brother would rise again. And 
he had sent that promise again at verse 4, as I mentioned before. And um, Jesus knew that Lazarus was already dead, but he talked of Lazarus' earthy body being asleep there in verse 11. He sleepeth, Lazarus sleepeth in his... Because he knew, like, as we know from Luke's gospel, from chapter 16, his soul, and in the account also of um, the thief on the cross, see, his soul resting is resting in paradise now at this time, in Abraham's bosom. And, but Martha only knew of the resurrection from the Old Testament that in her understanding, like, just for one example, I'll go to Job, and this is probably the most clearest one. There are, it's in the Psalms, talks, but it wasn't as clear as Jesus explains it now. Just thinking of Job 19.25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So the latter day, um, another time away. Now, the Lord now wants to identify Martha with himself, with the program of God's plan of resurrection through him. And what that brings, it brings the life, the resurrection and the life, not a life that is currently common to man, like Lazarus would, which, you know, he would be returned from the dead in, in display of God's power and authority over death in emphasising this great truth and doctrine of the resurrection. But this was a life spoken of beyond death and in favour and fellowship of God, a literal never-ending life with God after death because though he were dead, yet shall he live at the end of verse 25. And right now, until the rapture, the believer has to faith death uh, if we meet that appointed time when we meet that appointment with God of death. Though he were dead, it says in 25 there, though he were dead, um, death is a certainty of life and according to the promise, but we have a great assurance there as a believer. And can the Lord persuade Martha even by the fact, even though Lazarus is dead right now, yes, there is death. And she said, my brother is gone. And the Lord Jesus is pointing to death in a far deeper sense, in a death of himself. He died once in his death. Uh, and like we remembered that this morning at the, as we celebrated the Lord's table. And this was a death of cruelty, a death of agony for our Lord, a death of shame, more than that, a death of condemnation. He was to die soon, very shortly, bearing the guilt and suffering of the punishment of sin. And that was the bitterness of the real death, his death. And Christ was appointed to die. He, and we know he actually died. And as Romans 1, 4, and he was declared to be the son of God with power in dying that death for us. And but I'll read the verse. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So Jesus could even say of himself in this verse, Though I were dead, yet shall I live. And this is why we have that great resurrection chapter that the Apostle Paul wrote in 
1 Corinthians 15 that brings great hope of this new life in resurrection. But now he says in verse 20 and 15 in 1 Corinthians, is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Because the Lord Jesus can say this also of himself. He can say of everyone who believes in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And now our perception, this side of the cross, as we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, it's a lot clearer in our understanding of this salvation, of this eternal life than Mary had and uh, Martha had. And, and the Lord Jesus is building on that. And the New Testament tells us that in believing in Christ, we actually enter into his death. We make it our own. We, that's our believing. And as by the Holy Spirit, a person will realise that we are apprehended in our salvation experience where we uh, were an actual person dying with Christ when we believed in his death, when he bore, when we believed that he bore our sins in his own body on the cross. Our God, our righteous judge, declares the condemning sentence of the law has no more hold over him. He fulfilled the law through his own perfectness and in his own life, not, o- not only over us who are in him. and Because Romans 6, 7 says, For he that is dead is freed from sin, dead in Christ. Now, this is wonderful in this day of grace and and um, we're able to be cleansed through his blood that cleanses us from all the old filthiness of his and, and his death that he died for that. We are participating in his death by faith and this is our resurrection and uh, this is our eternal life because of Christ's death and we don't have to fear that second death which the ungodly will who never repent that if they die in their sins, will go to the lake of fire forever. And that's another eternity of eternal damnation in their condemnation because they never let Jesus bear that judgment of sin in their life, in believing. So, um, look, we know from First Thessalonians there will be a rapture of those who believe in Christ. And that talks about the dead in Christ will rise for those. And it even talks there about those who are asleep in Christ, as the Lord mentioned here to his disciples in the chapter there. And we can make verse 26 as we look at that, like, and whosoever liveth, like, this is talking about we who believe we, we can't die, basically, even though there is a physical for some, well, well, for all of us before the rapture, and believeth him shall never die. So it's such something wonderful that takes away that sting of death for a believer, as Paul talked about. But you can also put that in the sense of the rapture, like he that believeth when the Lord comes, they'll never like they'll experience the physical death at all. Believeth thou this, he says. And uh, so the Martha kept believing in what she knew about her loving, patient Saviour, as we see in verse 27. And as we consider the Lord in explaining this to her, like the crosses of life, the comforts of life, how they 
come one after the other and at times in this present time in our life, they would not make such an impression upon us as if they as if we did like if if we believed and 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 looked for eternity as we ought to even through those trials um, like we we learn as we grow in faith and mature we learn to bear our burdens um, ourselves so that we can then be used of God to help others and so speaking to a large audience D.L. Moody held up a glass and asked how can I get the air out of this glass one man shouted suck it out with a pump Moody replied that would create a vacuum and shatter the glass after numerous other suggestions Moody smiled picked up a pitcher of water and filled the glass there, he said, all the air is now removed, filling it with water. Then he went on to explain that victory in the Christian life is not accomplished by sucking out sin here and there, but by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Ephesians 4 talks about, in looking at applying this in our lives, the outward conduct of a believer in Christ and if we let corruption, in chapter 4, if we, if we let that take effect, we will grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And it talks about that in verse 30 of chapter 4. And we'll have no power, we'll have no wisdom to discern his will and we will have no fruit to bless God and to bless others. And we'll not understand clearly what the will of God is for our lives. And if we continue, and we're looking at this a little bit this morning, to put off, that is to purge that corruption and be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We'll be able to rejoice ever more like the Thessalonian believers were able to do in their suffering of persecution and we'll be able to have an attitude of prayer all the day long which we'll be praying without ceasing and, and in everything give thanks and we know that that is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And we can actually, by God's spirit and enablement, we can walk in love as Christ loved us and we can develop a compassion like Christ as he shows and uh, to not only the world but to his children. And, and the world can see this as real. This is real, genuine faith. And what, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire, we are useless, Charles Spurgeon said. D.L. Moody was just starting in the ministry. This is when he was beginning there. And what happened? He heard a preacher make this statement, quote, The world has yet to see what God can do with one man fully surrendered to him. And Moody that night said, By God's grace, I'll be that man. And as a spirit-filled evangelist, Moody was able to lead untold thousands to Christ. By letting go of himself, his ambitions and pride and handing them all over to God. And he was already, before that, he heard that sermon. He was in ready to do that as in allowing the Lord to work in his life. Now, R.A. Torrey was an associate of Moody's from his close and personal association. Torrey produced a wonderful piece titled, 
why God used D.L. Moody. And he lists seven vital factors he believed were the basis of Moody's tremendously fruitful ministry. He writes that Moody, I'll, I'll, I'll read the seven, was a fully surrendered man, was a man of prayer, was a deep and practical student of the Bible, was a humble man, was entirely free from the love of money, had a consuming passion for the salvation of the lost, and seventh, was endued with power on, on, from on high. And just in concluding this point of um, perception, in our faith we'll have setbacks, letdowns, exhaustions, and we've experienced many of them already in our Christian walk. We'll have grief, we'll have heartache, even at those times when we may not even understand why. If we keep and maintain that sweet fellowship with our Lord in our faith in Jesus, even just keep running to him, listening to him whenever we can. The Lord will build us up enough, encourage us up, and then he'll be able to use us up to lift others up like Mary was able to do, um, like Martha was able to do for Mary there in encouraging her to go to the Lord and seek fellowship with him in verse 28. And and then what we see the flow and effect of this, the blessing, is this had an effect on many others coming to hear and see Jesus. And I just want to finish quickly with the third point. It's not as long as those other two. And verse 27 and 28, in her response, we go back to her response to the Lord Jesus' explanation there. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so, and then she went her way in that and, and called Mary. She was able to be used in that way, her sister, and secretly saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And we have the word secretly there, and look, we're not told why, but look, we know we're near to Jerusalem, and there's a lot of Jews in the area now, and maybe not all of them were comforting, and there was that threat of the enemy of the Lord Jesus, of the religious leaders in Jerusalem that wanted to kill him. And But she's... In her humility, she's able to be used of the Lord. And what we see is a perfected, perfected in our third point, a perfected faith. And be, it says in Matthew 5, 48, be in this Sermon on the Mount there, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And this word perfect, it implies growing into a maturity of godliness. And it does not imply sinless perfection. That's what we need to realise. As we understand by faith the principles of the kingdom in emptying of ourselves. He that is, you know, talks about being poor in spirit and, and things like that in humility. And what we need to realise, we've seen there in Matthew, but in Ephesians 4 again, we, in, in verses 11 to 16, it talks about the leadership of the ministry, pastors, well, and, and evangelists and teachers of the local church, how they're used for the perfecting of the saints, like that's in their faith. And, 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 it, and it talks about bringing about a unity of the faith and what a blessing that is, what glory that is to Lord when that's unified together in love. And so the topic, a beautiful faith, as we see in the beauty of God's holiness, we can learn to be holy as he is holy if we have that 
unity of the faith, in that obedience. Yes, it means humility, humbling ourselves under other people that God has ordained and put in those in our lives to bless us as he wants to bless us. So the key idea, the author and finisher of faith, and this takes us, yes, to that wonderful verse in Hebrews 12 to looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, our for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Lord Jesus wanted to take this opportunity to expand Martha's faith, as I've mentioned, which would then in turn have a flow-on effect and we, to Mary. And uh, Martha's response showed that she understood the spiritual intent of what Jesus was explaining in verse 25 and 26 of those words of, of faith. And even though Jesus had not himself even risen yet from the dead or even um, Martha, Martha hadn't even witnessed or didn't even fully know that he was going to do, raise him from the dead, her brother Lazarus. And, uh, but we see the word I believe in verse 27 and that is in the perfect tense which we've heard means a complete action that took place in the past. She already believed through Jesus' life and fellowship she had with him and testimony. The results which have continued that belief to the present, even now, even though it's weak, the Lord can build on it. She made one of the clearest confessions, it was quoted here, of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Yea, Lord, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And this was very personal to her, my very own, she was emphasising. So what could we say is the conclusion of the whole matter for Martha in her response there? The word of Christ was the guide of her faith. And we have the word of Christ in the word of God and and. Regardless of how much she may not have understood at this present moment in time, as we have the whole scriptures, the whole council, she didn't. Martha's faith was able to grow on a strong foundation, the one whom she believed and confessed concerning Jesus. And she believed in his authority of Christ. And that would support, as I mentioned before, the superstructure of her growing faith. After seeing Lazarus raised from the dead... And then her saviour resurrected. Oh, how her faith would have grown immensely. And even though she may not have fully understood the Lord at this time in his teaching, she embraced it as a blessing of blessings. In hearing, I am the resurrection and the life. And sanctification, that's a word in putting off the old and putting on the new and growing and more into the image of Christ and is demonstrated by an iceberg. The process of sanctification can be compared to an iceberg, which is almost 90% underwater. And as the sun shines on that iceberg, the exposed melt part melts, moving the lower part. And as that melts, the weight is removed and the, the lower part is moved upward out of the water. In the same way, we are usually aware of only a small part of our sinfulness and need, which is all we can actually deal with at any one time. And however, as the sun, the light, the Son of God, 
the light of God's word works in our lives. It renews our minds, changing us in areas. And the Bible has a cleansing effect. And we become aware of new areas needing the work of God, putting off the old and putting on the new. So death is real. There is life after death. And one day the body will be raised by the power of God. He took it out of a book, the book of the law, and put it into a person himself. So we can, as the New Testament says, draw near to God in James and he will draw near to you. God promises to give us faith. It will be stronger than our comprehension and our fears where we will not fear man and we will not fear the shadow of death where we can have a perfect peace in our hearts as we wait on him. And then in that we can bear fruit for the Lord. We can grow in our understanding in what the Bible calls the grace and knowledge of his word, of his will. So just concluding all this, anybody can start something. It's another subject altogether to finish something. It's yet another thing to finish well. So as the song goes, don't drop your anchor. We're almost home. And that's, let's close in prayer. Our loving Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for Mary, for Martha and Mary, and the patience and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for their fellowship. Thank you for their differences as we see them in our lives, Lord, in our daily affairs and tasks that we are involved in. And Lord, how we can um, day by day, and as the song hymn writer wrote, with each passing moment in that continual attitude of unceasing prayer and praise and thanksgiving, Lord, we can meet our trials that we face, even from the smallest things of finding our car park in a busy, Lord, just we can commit it unto you and and praise you when you what you work in your time in those, all those situations, Lord. We thank you as we consider that you even know the number of hairs on our head, how significant even the smallest thing is to you with things we don't even think about, Lord, from day to day. And Father, help us now as we commit and submit to you to not lean on our own understandings, but in all our ways, no matter how simple they are in our circumstances, acknowledge you, Lord. We ask this now as we close in Jesus.